I'm Christian Humes. And I'm John Paul Murphy. And you're listening to Watch World. Today, we will be doing something very special. We will be launching our second series here on Watch World when we begin the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Yay. I'm really excited for this. And before we start that path, before we get this epic story, John. Let's remind our listeners, or for first-time listeners, if you weren't here for our first season of the show, what Watch World is. Watch World is a show in which you and I, and possibly a guest, depending on what we're viewing, sit down, watch something, whether it's a TV show or movie series or individual movie, uh, and then we discuss what our thoughts are on it, bring our interesting POV and our comedic taste to the conversation here. Yeah, and for those of you that are unfamiliar with John and myself, we have another ongoing television series breakdown podcast called Wishboning, where we have been going through and rewatching the early PBS series Wishbone from the 1990s. We are actually almost complete on that show. John himself is a writer, also pop culture podcaster on the Zeitheist podcast, I myself as well. And I also do the Unranked podcast. I also produce a number of other shows. So, you know, we work in entertainment and... We love movies, TV shows, podcasts, so this is an outlet for us to celebrate these shows and series that we like and find a way to contribute to those communities, which what bigger community out there is there than Harry Potter? It is definitely one of the biggest. And that, and then also, let's set the stage here just very quickly about your relationship and my relationship to this property. Yeah, so... Uh- I think what's great about this is neither of us are longtime Harry Potter fans. I'm newer to the series. A lot of people our age, you know, we're we're both now uh, 30 and 31, and most people our age grew up with the series. So it's probably the biggest franchise for our generation, I would say. It's at least our generation, Star Wars, in many ways. The fact that I came to it first with the movies, then the books in my 20s is very different than most people. But John, you have a very unique experience here i'm a harry potter virgin to some degree i may have watched maybe one or two of the movies back when they were first released i and maybe read half of the first book but you know as I'm, far I'm as your memory is concerned a, <laughs> yeah let's just say i am very i am brand new um for the longest time i i guess i developed a weird hipster mentality to the, the franchise and was like oh because everyone likes it i'm just I'm just going to avoid it for yeah. some reason. Well, because it's uh, but... a little it could be a little overbearing if you're unfamiliar with it. There's there's a lot to have to understand. Yeah, and also, you know, sometimes the fans can be a little annoying. So Yeah, people are very passionate about it. And that's that's every fandom. As anyone out there, if you're a fan of Harry Potter and that's why you're listening to this, I'm sure you've seen your Harry Potter wars online. There's a lot of people that can be very nasty about things that you love, but ultimately people like what they like, right? We're here to talk about that and not be adding to the toxic online decorum. We're here to celebrate, I would say, in many ways. I'm approaching this with very open eyes and ears, and I'm going to be uh, not a contrarian and not a critic. I understand what the subject matter is, who it was geared for, you know? And I I understand it's like, you know, I'm not going to give it the same... Sometimes you're not going to critique it the same way as you would critique maybe Lord of the Rings or something that's a little bit maybe for more like an adult 
kind of like viewer but um i also understand like adults love this as well so i think it can work both ways yeah and you know one other small thing before we get the show started i would like to point out is if you're joining us as a fan of watch world when we did our season one for season two of westworld and you aren't a fan of harry potter I invite you to rewatch the series with us. Start with the first movie. We're going to do all eight of them, one a week. We're on Wednesdays right now uh, while we're doing the Harry Potter series. And then at some point when the fall begins, we will move on from Harry Potter to another television series. We haven't yet determined what that's going to be. You may want to send us some suggestions. You can use hashtag WatchWorld to do that. But what I'm excited about, John, is this show was built as a way for us to discuss movies and television shows without it dominating our other popular podcast zeitgeist because ultimately when game of thrones was on or a big movie came out that whole episode would just be about that so now we really get to show the other part of what Watchworld's going to be by doing these movies and i expect we'll actually have a lot more guests on because we have a lot of friends that are deep in the harry potter fandom out here in los angeles yeah and i'm, I'm excited to get into it so uh let's begin with the first one okay Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or the Philosopher's Stone, if you're in the UK. Yeah, uh, I remember reading about that not that long ago, and I remember it was, I think it was on some trivia, it was on, I think it was on HQ Trivia that question came up. <laughs> was it? That definitely yeah. sounds like an HQ Trivia question. Yeah, because, so it was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in the UK, and then when they released the book in the US, they had to change it for some reason. Yeah, I think they were concerned about people knowing what the philosopher's stone was yeah and now watching this movie and we'll get to it when they start when we start when they start talking about nick flamel mm -hmm. i was actually like surprisingly i was like oh wow they're like they're using a real life figure like or at least a fictionalized version of a real life figure to kind of the basis of the story yes in fact so re-watching this movie and I, I'm someone, you know, I've seen these movies. I'm a big fan of the Harry Potter series. I still was marveling at it for the world building. In fact, I think the the best thing the first movie does, and maybe in some ways it's why it's one of my favorites in the whole series, is because there's so much charm to the first movie. It's just they're just all they're doing, like every shot is showing you like, here's a little bit how the magic works or here's this other kind of thing that's in the world or here are these new kind of creatures. And they're constantly just setting up the rest of the series in this first movie yeah there's a lot of um setup in this in this movie and um it's it's a pretty long movie yes you it know is. You're, you're looking at almost two and a half hours um when it kind of got to like the the almost the like the hour 45 mark i was like okay like when are we going to get to the climax here <laughs> Yeah, I but, mean, the uh, <laughs> one the one nice thing about the movie, I would say, is how about that score by John Williams? Uh, that's great. I mean, John Williams is the man. Uh, a lot of it, it kind of reminded me a lot of it like uh, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. There's like that one theme that isn't the main theme, but it's kind of like the happy walking around Hogwarts theme. And there's also a theme that reminds me a lot of Jurassic Park when they're in the forest. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say that, too. Like, um, it's almost... Not to say John Williams kind of takes and then repurposes this, some similar themes <laughs> over He just again, has a very he, specific style. Yeah, and he, but he just has that. He knows how to, like, sell, like, an upbeat yes. scene almost in a way. And, like, yes. back up the character's emotions with, you know, a good brass sound. 
that's going along. So, uh, but yeah, I, the music is great. Probably one of the, the you know the best parts of the of the whole the, the movie, at least this movie. And excited to see what else going forward because he did all of them, right? Yeah, he does all of them, and it's like I think the main theme to Harry Potter is as iconic as the Jurassic Park and Star Wars. Um, in many ways, I think it's so well done. Yeah, on the spectrum, it's it's more like um, you know, Home Alone. Yes, and those type uh, of I things. Mean, that's certain instruments definitely evoke that feeling specifically. Yeah, just kind of that weird, uh, kind of a lot of minor keys and mm-hmm. um, a little bit, a little bit dark. Uh, surprisingly, you know, for this being a children's property, there is a lot of dark stuff in this. Yes, there is. There's quite a bit of it. Yeah. Uh, should we just dive in right into the story? Yeah. Let's uh, let's start at the beginning, John, because there's no better place to begin at the start uh and it opens with uh dumbledore's vape pen (laughs) okay so this here's something i love about the movie so much is i think they are incredibly successful at introducing magic and introducing it in a way that it feels special because they just give you like little hints of how this world might work every time they show you something and they also don't necessarily put a limit on it they just kind of show you like oh he could do this like one really kind of fun special thing that doesn't feel like a big deal but because they're they're really making it special in that moment and it's not just like they're so if you compare it to dr strange in that movie right from the get-go they're just doing crazy magic that is like almost incomprehensible to people that even can do magic in that world whereas with this it's the first thing that you see is just he's just taking a light out of the street lights yeah and it's hiding the fact that dumbledore is about to do some really shady shit at this time (laughs) So walk me is through. That, wait, is that a wand? Uh, no, it's just it's like this little capsule he has, almost like a clicky pen. He like sort of opens the okay. top, points it, and it just sucks light in. Yeah, because at first I was like, oh, that's a sweet vape on his part, but then because <laughs> it kind of has this almost like little muzzle thing. No, this isn't Lord of the Rings. The first time, you know, the first time you see Dumbledore, he's not going. Uh, he doesn't have a pipe <laughs> like <laughs> like Gandalf. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, he's very close to Gandalf though. Yes. Like, as far as just big beard, kind of lumbering. Um, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, what did you feel about this scene? Um, you know, so Dumbledore comes in. He pulls the light out. McGonagall shows up. It's a cat. She uh, transfigures from a cat into back into a human. And then this big guy comes in on this flying motorbike. Yeah, he got haggard on a motorbike, delivering a baby. I think it, it was a fine kind of... I actually distinctively remember this scene from the book. Like how I said, I remember I didn't really, I, I, I think I only finished half of it, but I actually remember this being the opening scene from the book of them dropping a baby Harry Potter off to his uh, aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a very book uh, type of opening, whereas like I think a movie may, would like a traditional movie may have done a more action-oriented opening, you know? Yeah, like, like how you said about Doctor Strange, how that was a very actiony opening using like the magic of the world, right? And I think that's part of what makes this work so much better because it this really is at the inception of the story. This really is the very beginning of Harry's journey. He's just a baby, and it's right after this event happens, which you find out later in the movie. But it's such a perfect place, I think, to begin with this flashback. Yeah, I think. In some ways, it's good. I think almost it gives the, like, not to be, like, too, put my writer hat on and be too critical of it, but if I was, I guess, adapting the story, I wouldn't have included all of the 
uh dumbledore mcgonagall hagrid like conversation and just it would have been visually like a baby being left at the doorstep of this house and you learn with harry potter about when he you know turns 11 about him being a wizard as opposed to you're kind of set up in this information and then you're just kind of waiting for harry potter to then discover it you know you know what i'm saying yeah i do I think part of the series is interesting because we do view a lot of things through the lens of Harry, but it's more of an emotional lens because there is a lot of time that we know things that Harry doesn't know as a book reader. So I'm glad that they did partially keep that experience for us because then we are seeing things, you know, that Harry doesn't necessarily see. Because if they did just limit it to his perspective of everything, we we would miss out on so much more story. And I also think it was good because... It might otherwise feel a little bit dark of a scene if they didn't include all the dialogue, and it should definitely be more about a bit of uh, mystery and whimsy. You know, I think the first feeling you want to have is not a very sort of like dark or serious tone for the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, I mean, it is a very almost dark scene because essentially a murder just happened. Well, that's what I'm saying. And... That's why you that the dialogue <laughs> is important here because yeah. you can tell everyone, you know feels like this is a very important thing that they're doing and obviously something bad just occurred something terrible but at the same time you can you immediately know these are good people and this kid's not being abandoned because i think without that information if you were to just watch this movie had you not read the books it would look more like they're abandoning this child yeah i guess there's something weird going on with uk like adoption law or something and they like have to drop it off with the with the actual family i don't i don't like... think that the wizards care about the adoption law at all but even mcgonagall brings that up it's like these are the worst muggles ever we're dropping this baby off with like and dumbledore's like well they're family i think part of the point for dumbledore was that i believe he felt it was safer for harry to not grow up being harry potter because he wants to be able to preserve his innocence because he knows Harry is going to have this journey ahead of him when he's older. And he knows clearly that like everyone's going to look at him. He's going to have this sort of entitlement that he's not aware of, which, you know, you learn later in the film he has. Yeah. So for him to grow up without that was probably a very smart choice on Dumbledore's part. Yes. Um, I will counter, though, by saying these particular people that oh he's God. left with are i think beyond awful you know they, they're they're the worst awful, people but they're the worst people but and so it i think he could have been left with probably anybody else that didn't know who he was because i feel like in dumbledore's reasoning he was like these people are aggressively anti-magic hence why it's like in his mind it's good for harry to grow up in an aggressively anti-magic household growing up because then yeah, like you said, his name will be suppressed. Right. Like his 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 true family lineage will be suppressed. But I think like that's actually kind of a bad thing in some ways because I think Harry was abused for a good ten of these years. Oh, he definitely was. He definitely was. And th- I think add add this into a running theme. I'm going to bring up no, bring this. There's no question. Yeah. That Harry was abused. But look, I'm going to put this in uh, like a. Put this in the basket of a long-running thing, I think, as we go through this episode of this movie, of, of bad Dumbledore decisions. <laughs> and I, like, I have this now, of, uh, based on this first movie going forward, I, I'm i starting to develop this idea that Dumbledore doesn't make a lot of good decisions and is actually a terrible head of Hogwarts. Um, but we I can, think, we can um, discuss that. 
I think ultimately what you're going to find is that you're that's neither going to be right or wrong. And one of my favorite things about the Harry Potter series is that the adults aren't always right. In fact, they're just regular people. Like, they make mistakes and they just do the best they can, a lot of them. Okay. So I'm going to be interesting to see how you waver back and forth. Because I love Dumbledore, but you're definitely not totally wrong either. <laughs> you have a valid point there, and there'll probably be other valid points yeah. to make. But he's also, he's clearly very kind, and he clearly cares about Harry a lot. Uh, okay, yeah. In a, in a warped kind of way, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> in a warped kind of way. So let's talk about the Dursleys. <laughs> Can we? Keep, yeah. Oh my Uncle God. Vernon and Aunt Petunia. I actually, I really like their performances. The, these actors that they do. Oh, very great. Like they're yeah. great. Um, the Aunt Petunia reminds me of like it's like British Molly Shannon from like SNL. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I actually like them for just you know because they're like they're they're rotten and they're bad but they weren't as like they're not as bad as dudley dudley is like just the worst like the opening scene with dudley when he comes in he starts flipping out because he got one less present than last year yeah he got got 37 presents oh i'm sorry yeah like if you like they it's kind of just like oh whoa tone it down like i i like i don't like him already for like jumping on the stairs and like shoving harry potter back into his little like hovel thing yeah. but then like they keep adding <laughs> to like how how awful can we make this person <laughs> yeah uh so yeah they go to the zoo harry and dudley are looking at this snake this is the first instance of magic that harry ever experiences what did you think about the snake beginning to understand harry and then ultimately he frees the snake and he talks to him so i actually watched the scene twice um, because actually I watched the movie halfway through last night and then I watched the whole movie all the way through this afternoon before recording. So I ended up watching the scene twice. Um, what do you think about this theory that this snake is Voldemort? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, so I'd say, I'd say this, I'm not going to give you any answers here, John. Okay. That's a fun theory though. That is a fun, a very fun theory for a variety of reasons. That it's very like Garden of Eden yet. representation, yeah. like the devil um trying to be nice a little bit kind of like this weird early test with harry yeah. um yeah so that I was mean, like a kind of the thought that popped in my mind <laughs> what's fun about this for me is you can actually theorize a little bit with this while you're going on <laughs> yeah so it's gonna be fun because <laughs> you haven't seen it uh but again it's like it, it was a fun scene that again it's like dudley being fucking god awful um you know like aggressively just shoving harry potter down <laughs> like multiple times <laughs> um you know and then it's like he he gets blamed for it uh the uncle's like magic doesn't exist i saw you know what you were trying to do or what happened yeah what do you isn't it so interesting how and you know we're not going to make this show political but it is interesting to me that these people who are totally aware that magic exists because of harry's parents are just leaning as hard as they can into this sort of fake ignorance believing that if they just think it and say it hard enough and they fight against it as hard as they can that oh somehow these harry like won't end up like bringing magic into their lives this family is definitely pro brexit let's just get that out of the way you know (laughs) yeah they're you know it's it's so it's so crazy to me to see how Utterly, they fail, and they continue to fail over and over again. I loved seeing Dudley get trapped behind the glass. Um, and it's, it's so funny because Harry doesn't even realize that he's doing this. Yeah, I think I, it's 
it's interesting to see that how magic is start to get introduced here and also i think i think this is, this world is an interesting idea about what you know how magic is incorporated and it's uh a lot to do with genetics in a lot of ways because it seems like certain people get it get the essentially the gene <laughs> to be more you know like uh connected to magic than others you mm-hmm. know and it's like how some people can be um some people like you can have a sister like so in Ampetunia's case like her sister was you know a witch and she wasn't and she was jealous of that um and then but her whole side of the family it's like no it's like but could like if petunia and vernon don't have magical capabilities could dudley show signs if so that's so that's sort of uh one of the main themes of the whole series is um harry's mom her parents did not have magic uh hermione's parents don't have any magic okay and either did so like aunt petunia was normal but her parents were like they were they were all muggles but she was imbued with magic she was just she was gifted at her at her birth so is this like a metachlorines uh type of situation it's very much a jedi yes yeah i was making a lot of connections to the jedi and this world like the hogwarts you know school of magic and yeah um there's definitely yeah, a lot there of similarities is... There's one thing you haven't heard of, which is you haven't heard of the word, or maybe you maybe you caught it, um, squib. No, I didn't catch that. So a squib is someone who's from a magical family. So both parents have magic, but they were born without, like a muggle would. Oh, uh, that's almost like a, that's a bad word. Well, a mug, <laughs> muggle's a bad word, and then there are, uh, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll save the other one, um, but uh. There are a lot of terms, and typically you find people like Draco Malfoy and how Slytherin are the ones that use these terms more often than not. Oh, yeah, the Proud Boys of uh, Hogwarts. Yeah, yes, the Proud Boys of Hogwarts. <laughs> um, so yeah. let's let's jump ahead to to Hagrid showing up. I Hagrid is one of my absolute favorite casting in all of the, I mean, I love oh, yeah. all of the, the main character casting. Great. He's so good. And they do a great job. You know, I, I notice... The special effects, obviously, in this movie leave a little bit to be desired at points. Um, it is a 17-year-old movie. It's not bad. for. There, it's not. There's some shots that are like, okay, that's like, like it's rough early, like, CG from, like, that era. But for the most part, it's not bad. And every practical effect they did it looks great, which is the other thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of mixing of practical and CG, which I think is why some of the CG sticks out. Because when they switch between the two... The practical looks so good that yeah. it, it makes also, the CG stick out. They do the thing with I think in this part of CG where it's it's too kinetic sometimes. Where it's like like when Harry Potter's shaking on the broom, he's really shaking on that broom, like yeah, yeah. like whiplash, <laughs> like, like you don't really need to go that crazy with it. <laughs> well, it's like pod racing, like Metaclorians. You know, he's a seeker. It yeah, is very yeah. similar. To but that. even when like when Neville is like kind of flipping around on the broom, it's just so like like it is almost cartoonishly like physical sometimes with like the way like they're getting whiplash. I'm like that person would like get lightheaded and you know faint. <laughs> the amount of yeah, like or when Harry's on top of the troll and it's he's been like whipped around so much. I'm just like okay, like you don't you don't need to to have that much movement. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it really brings attention so, to the, the special effect. 
the reason I brought the special effects up is Hagrid, they do such a wonderful job of making him feel massive. Yeah, yeah. I think that they did a great job there. Was this this is post Lord of the like Fellowship of the Ring, right? Yeah, that's what I'm it's 2001. So I would imagine it is. It's, it's right the around time. the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much around the same exact time. Yeah, they did they did a really good job where I think like um it was interesting because with him and like between Robbie Coltrane and Daniel Radcliffe, there's already like a giant size there, so they didn't really have to do too much of vi- like, sort of visual tricks with the camera to make that size difference. But then when Hagrid is with against other adult humans, they do a really good job of using kind of perspective and uh, to make him seem yeah. much larger than like other adults. Well, even and there is a small scene with Hagrid and Harry at the train station, and Hagrid goes to shake harry's hand and his hacker's hand is huge in this shot yeah which is it's so funny because it's just like this perfect little visual reminder like oh my god this this man's massive so when he shows up it is you know mr dursley's absolute nightmare he has gone nuts trying to stop all these letters coming from hogwarts what is wrong with them doesn't this seem like a gift to them for many reasons like they get rid of harry for 10 months of the year yeah it's it's I don't really understand what's in their mindset as far as it's like they 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 almost feel so resentful about the fact that they were left with this child that like at, they're at this point now they're like oh you want him back no like like you don't get him like you know we were dumped with this kid like and I think there's definitely a part of Aunt Petunia that as much as she seems to dislike her sister I think that she feels responsible, and like you said, she feels burdened by Harry, but at the same time, she probably doesn't want Harry to die. So I guess her only way to keep that from happening is to be like, you will have no part in this, because to her, she probably thinks magic ruined her family, because she lost her sister, who probably you know once didn't have magic and became this magical person, and then she literally lost her sister, and now she's stuck with this child. It's like, yeah, she didn't ask for any of this, so she resents it. There's a, there's definitely a scenario here where I feel like this family is justified and could be justified in an interesting way without having them be so comically awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they don't need to literally be keeping him under their stairs. Yeah, they could just be really conservative and strict about magic and discussing it and dealing with it. I think... It's just kind of that weird heightened degree in which they take it. I think almost it's like too much. You're like, there's too much sugar in this in this drink now. <laughs> but it's fine. It, yeah, I think it's fine probably for what it is. It's just like, I'm just like, all right, he probably take a step, a step back. <laughs> I really enjoy when he's trying to avoid all the letters coming in. And, you know, he's like boarding up the house and it's Sunday. He goes, no post on Sunday. Yeah. Has this idiot not realized the owls are bringing the post? Yeah. It's it's <laughs> he's going full like shining here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, he, they lose Hagrid and Harry set off to Hogwarts. Harry is informed that he is a wizard. Yeah. Those Which, very famous words. So I think like it's funny. I was looking up the, you know, they call it's witches and wizards in this world. You know, that's like if you're. Yes. But technically a male witch is a warlock. Uh yeah, I mean, I guess not in this world. You know, yeah. that's what us muggles would say. Oh, okay. All right, fine. I'm just going by the, you know, the old definitions of things. <laughs> yeah, that's what us muggles would say, John. Okay, fine. As a squid, but we don't I, know. you know, I don't really, you know, who knows. 
So let's let's fast forward a little bit. Harry and Hagrid spend a bit of time together. Uh, they go Diagon Alley to the most magic. Yeah, the ma- the most magical place in the world, John. Diagon Alley. Yeah, I love Diagon Alley. Uh, it was cool. Yeah, I I liked it. Um, it uh the one thing I know I like noted when they go when uh Harry goes to Ollivander's uh wand shop. Yes. Uh, yes. On the sign it says uh since uh 362 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because you wouldn't like it wouldn't be like you. There's no such thing like you wouldn't be living in like oh what year is it oh it's 362 bc you know well no but you would use you would use whatever year that is so if you could track that far back you would just change the dates as they go like i don't think in 362 bc they'd be like this is year one this is this is negative 361 yeah but was that sign always up like that (laughs) well no no since 362 bc is something you put up much later on i would assume okay it just yeah, it just seems i don't think the sign goes up since it means the store has been open also since wouldn't, wouldn't like the magical world of, of have like a wholly different calendar they would go off of uh they wouldn't yeah, believe I mean, they it cr- just depends or, it's weird because it seems like in, in some instances they break away radically from the modern like the the muggle world but then they'll embrace things like the like bc and like merry christmas <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just depends. You, it is possible there are a lot of people who could argue that Jesus was one of the most magical people in their universe. Oh, I can't wait for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think part of that just comes from J.K. Rowling is a, uh, I, I don't know which sect of Christianity she she belongs to, but she is religious. So I believe that is where that probably stems from. And yeah. I also think that's just, you just don't think about that. And I think that's part of the whole, like, when you sell a lie like these magical stories having some truth in it helps because if they made everything too weird and then you had to explain their calendar system yeah suddenly it's a weird the whole it's a thread. nitpicky thing on my part i apologize it's just yeah it probably actually works better for the story for them to do it that way because it's less you have to explain and it lets you relate and remind you this this is a hidden world in our world it's a shared world that yeah. we aren't a part of because we haven't been invited to it yet but every kid uh, you know, when they turn 10 will be, at least the ones that have magic. Yeah. So Ollivander, the late, great John Hurt, rest in peace. Uh, great scene with him finding the wand. He gets, I guess, the other Phoenix wand that, and this is where also introduced to the idea of Voldemort, uh, where he asked Hagrid. And this is also where we get the, the great character tick of uh, Hag- Hagrid, where he can't really ever keep a secret. <laughs> yeah. Ha- if you want Hagrid to know anything, everyone else will have to know it. Because that is yeah, which, a man that does not... He's not a lockbox. Again, another... Put it in the basket. Another weird decision by Dumbledore to... That's his like main go-to guy. The guy that can't keep a secret <laughs> to do secret missions. <laughs> but what you'll find is interesting later on is a lot of these like weird decisions will will pay off. Or you'll understand them better because of the history between a lot of characters. Right, fine if Dumbledore wants to hide behind history with characters. No, no, no. I, it just, it'll better explain his mindset to why he might want to pick Hagrid. It's like Hagrid may let some things loose that he shouldn't tell people, but he also is probably someone that you can trust regardless of whether or not it's going to stay I mean, secret. he's also like an eight-foot monster, so he can, you know, <laughs> yeah. he can... It it does I think help explain a little bit of his personality too because at the beginning they're like McGonagall's like you're trusting Hagrid with bringing this boy like he is so important and you're trusting Hagrid 
I don't I would trust him with a physical mission of like delivering something, but just like keeping then something a secret seems to be the problem. Yeah. <laughs> um so I I have to tell you I really love the wand scene. In fact, if you get to go to the one here in Hollywood or in Orlando, they do have like an Ollivander shop and it's so awesome. And they even like will randomly pick someone from the audience and have them get their wand chosen and everything. It's so much fun. It is That's like cool. a great little bit of magic. I really like the bank, the the Grimmauld's bank. Oh yes. Um. Uh. Not to like inject something weird, but no, I know where you're going. The fact that they're goblins. Yep. And it's a little anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, I think though that. And I just someone, someone, if you want to write in, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that the whole goblin anti-Semitic thing literally just comes from the anti-Semitic thought that people have yeah. about Jewish people, yeah. and then um, the lore of goblins just matched that, and so people started to use that imagery because yeah, that is just, just a part where it's of like, goblin yeah, lore. If you, it, it's a, I don't know. It's again, it's a modern perspective of things. It's yeah. just like okay, like. It's similar to dwarves, because like in Lord of the Rings, it's with the dwarves. They, you know, they have, they mine and they collect jewels and they become, you know, infatuated with diamonds and jewels yeah. and emeralds. Yeah, I think, yeah, again, I'm not, like, it's more of a joke. I'm bringing it up as a thing, but. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely, I think a lot of people have brought this up before. There are some problematic things in the Harry Potter series. And, and I mean, realistically in all series, because they're always going to be a factor of their time and period you know um great appearance by warwick davis which i'm assuming he has like multiple like uh roles in the in this uh franchise (laughs) because he uh it's he could yeah he could i I don't i don't know for sure yeah um but uh i liked him as the the head uh head uh goblin of the bank yeah Um, at gringotts yeah so harry's just gift you know he gets all his money from his parents basically uh he is loaded. And he is not taught really to spend wisely. I think Harry is so loaded it doesn't matter. I know. I just I just feel like that's Yeah. That's that might lead to some bad uh <laughs> Are you are you specifically speaking about when he's on the train? Yeah, and, and he's, like, he's just like a lot of, of chocolates and candies. And he just kinda ha- like looks at the money not knowing what it is. He's like, Is this enough? Yeah. I don't know. Like, like <laughs> I'm like, is anyone gonna teach this kid like any like real life lessons <laughs> about money? I while watching it, I actually had the exact same thought. I was just like, he just kind of like grabs a chunk of change. He's yeah. like, is this good? That's why my note was like, Harry is bad with money. <laughs> and obviously they set up the later part of the story by having Hagrid go and grab the stone. Yeah. Um. So then, you know, he gets all his items to go to Hogwarts. There's the nine and three quarters scene uh, at the train station, which I was, was kind of cool. Enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> I have this fun theory that... Like the moment from which Aunt Harry runs into the wall going forward is actually just Harry in a coma because he knocked himself <laughs> from <cold>. then on. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to this magical world, but really he's just like in a coma in a hospital somewhere because he ran headfirst into a wall. It's so interesting to me. I I love all of these ideas because if you think about them, none of them are completely like there is a lot of original stuff in Harry Potter, but also just like these ideas of portals and hidden spaces are, you know, not unique 
to the world of Harry Potter, but I think the way that they were built into this universe is very unique and original by having everything just right in front of us. It's it's all like almost like a sleight of hand trick. Like the magic was in front of everyone the whole time. They don't necessarily try to hide it, and that's sort of how it's hidden in the first place from everyone. Yeah. And you know, they really they set up this world to be a world in which the witches and wizards are very powerful, but they choose to have this world that's sort of hidden from the muggle world. Right, which is, I believe, you know, there's a bit of history, and I don't remember how much of it shows up in the movies as opposed to the books, but there was a time in which, like, the muggles were killing, like, the wizards and witches of the world. Like, like uh, real life. So they went into hiding. You know. I think it's, like, during, like, the dark times. Yeah, I like, mean, during, like, again, the 1500s. Like, if you look at actual human history... <laughs> and it's really right. shipped to witches like that's something that's real i was gonna exactly. assume at some point in history there was a time in which the magical folk were the ones in power and it like magic was very open i think there was a bit of that but i don't know if they were the ones in power as much as there was a little bit of a shared world and then it, something happened and they were sort of beaten back jesus and so they found happened. at this point <laughs> that it's like you know they they you have to also consider they wield a power that really is unrivaled in many ways. Like if wizards and witches wanted to rule the world, they could. And so that almost like they're making the very profound choice to say, like, we're going to live in harmony and we're not going to use our power against you. But it's not that they live in harmony. They live in the closet. Yes. But only only because I think they don't believe that the non-magic world is ready for them not because they're worried i think anymore that the magic world could harm them because i think they know that if they needed to at this point um you know this is this is a big plot to the to the whole overarching series because uh there are some wizards who do not agree with this yeah i'm assuming the 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 bad wizards and witches are the ones that want to use their power to uh control the muggle world Right, which, I mean, you have to admit, like, there's nothing wrong with them saying, like, they shouldn't have to be in hiding. Yeah. But it's also, in many ways, you could say irresponsible to be so flippant about it or to to force these things on people. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we are introduced to her, uh, both Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger very quickly after one another, at the, uh, basically on the train station and on the train. Yeah, Ron's, Ron's family... Uh, Ron's mom is the one who teaches him how to get through the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Just Which like he Harry has piggybacking a, off somebody else. He's got a big old family. Uh, yeah. A lot of other people. Um, uh, I'm, I don't really have any thoughts on Ron. I don't know. It's like he almost feels like a weird character in the sense that he's like Harry and that he's also new, but he also has a little bit more knowledge because he's got family. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, like, and then you have Hermione, who's the, like the one that is also new. And she has a lot of knowledge, but not because of family, just because she's self-driven. Exactly. And there's definitely a part of her that I think because she doesn't have a family that's magical at all, she feels like she needs to overcompensate. And so she's like obsessing over learning how to do everything uh, to rightfully make her way into the magical world. Yeah, I just see. I think there's almost a scenario in which you could make this story just about Harry and Hermione and Ron even isn't really a character. Oh no, there's no way. I don't agree. I mean, no, it, Ron is so important to the story. Uh, yeah, I think he is, and in some ways, Harry and Hermione. I mean, Ron and Hermione sort of represent the family that Harry doesn't have. You know? Yeah, like an accepting family of magic that doesn't beat him. Right. 
And Ron it comes from a big family of people, and it's hard for him to stick out. And now here he has these two, like, really special friends. Yeah. So now, like, he's sort of got his own thing. He can, like, finally maybe be his—he can start to become his own person, which, you know, around this age, like, as a 10-year-old, like, you're really starting to get more of your own personality, more of your own ideas. You're, you know, adolescent, so you're starting to think about, like, who you are. So this is, like, a big time for Ron. So I think he just doesn't have as much— uh unique things coming to him at the moment at least at the start of the story but that's like his journey right yeah. ron's whole journey is finding out who he is and not just being another weasley that's true i just i think it's so, almost like they're almost too know. similar in the harry like harry and ron are very similar but i guess that also helps with the how they yeah. bond in the beginning but then yeah exactly but then harry has all the baggage of being harry potter but he's also loaded with coin yeah, he is loaded with coin, hey, which is interesting because he's loaded. Ron is not. Ron is like hand me down. Oh yeah, he's like he's like... got like his weird like sandwich like ground up in a bag. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say I love when movies do food well, and the unique food and candies of Harry Potter is incredible. When they go through the chocolate frogs, it's very when they Willy talk Wonka. About... Oh, it's so good too, though. Yeah, it's so good, right? Yeah, and everything looks good. I want to eat everything there. Yeah, it was good. Um. What was the thing with so when her, like Hermione joins them in the train car and like she's about to leave and she goes to Ron she goes you got dirt on your nose do you know what, what was that about uh, I think he just had like chocolate and dirt like because he's just like a messy kid and okay. I think this was just sort of I don't know it kind uh, of felt weirdly out of place <laughs> yeah it's just sort of like a a bit of showing off Hermione's personality because at the beginning of this and I mean they really a lot set of it, up the she's... like hate love hate relationship of these two yes which will turn into something else obviously yeah she is um a little bit abrasive you know and i think she just doesn't know how to connect with people yet is her thing so she's she when she says that to ron in her head she's just like trying to be helpful and be nice but like to everyone else she seems kind of like rude and maybe a little mean yeah and i think mixed up with uh like the age of the actors right they're a little bit sometimes like I'm saying my line, <laughs> especially with Hermione, like or Emma Watson, like she kind of does that a little too much. Sometimes. Yeah, I think they all do a pretty good job for ten year olds, though. I think Ron does the best. Uh, whoever plays Ron Weasley, I think is the best yeah. of the three. And then I think because I think he just does a really good job of being like the oh oh no like oh that where Harry's fine, and then Hermione's a little too. Uh, I'm reading my lines. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit true. I think part of that reason that comes through, though, is consider their personalities. Hermione is a very, like, like, she just, like, she's one of those kids that just has to get the thing that she says out. And so she just, like, she just breathes out whatever she's saying. That, like, is also a bit of what the character does. Whereas Harry is a little aloof. Like, he is not the smartest tool in the bucket. Um, he's not dumb, but he's a little naive. Yeah, I mean, he's got the whole world written all over him. <laughs> Right, which uh, that's a bit of Dumbledore's fault by keeping him uh, Thanks, sort of in this. Dumbledore. In this, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's definitely a lot going on there. Um, um, so they they get to Hogwarts, John. Yeah, we meet some other significant child characters, as in like Neville Longbottom, which they had just set up previously on the train when yeah, Hermione's like, "Oh, has anyone seen it? Yeah, has anyone seen it?" And you know, this kid Neville's looking for it. Uh, it was interesting that him and Dudley looked similar. For a second, I was uh, like, uh, okay, yeah, I, I was can like, see that a little bit. 
I think if you go back and look at them again, they're kind of different. Um, like Neville's got this, kid, like such a saggy face, which I know he ends up like becoming super hot later. Dude, in life. he's yeah, but that's uh, it's the funniest thing. Like he, he becomes smoking hot. He he drops it's those uh, those child cheeks basically. Yeah, it's it's wild, dude. Uh, and then we meet uh, basically the Proud Boys of <laughs> Hogwarts. Draco Malfoy and what is it? Club and whatever. I don't know. Who would... Crab and Goyle. Oh, Crab and Goyle. Yeah. Um, did you, did you, upon second viewing of the, the, the movie again, uh, Draco looks like Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> he also looks like Richie Rich. Yeah. But like if you look at the face, it's it's Eleven from Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I'd say a lot of like 10 year old skinny White boys and girls actually might look very similar if you shave their head. A lot of hydrogenous looking children in yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah, which I I think that's a lot of being ten years old. Yeah, I mean it, you don't you know? quite look. You haven't hit puberty yet. You don't quite look you right. Know, you don't fall into that category yet. Um, but I just what's funny that... is if you watch the start of this movie and watch the end, you can kind of tell the scenes that were filmed in and out of order because they age within the film. Yeah, there are certain scenes where you're like, okay, Harry and somebody's like, look, look, looking a little different, almost. Yeah. Like, literally, I think the final scenes of the movie, Harry looks at least a year. Like, he looks maybe, like, a few inches taller than he did on the train. Uh, <laughs> and he has, like, more of a shape to his face. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is in the same movie that's wild. So, um, b- one question I wrote down is how, like, the di- the diversity of the acceptance within Hogwarts not not racially but as far as like non-british people <laughs> like is it only british people that get or like so the UK? hogwarts is not the only magical school in the world okay so it's it's just for the like the the uk island and like yeah there's a russian school called durmstrang okay. there's there's one in the u.s ilvermorny which uh you know you don't see in those movies but you do hear about in the newer ones which take place in the u.s so this is the the school that's in that area so that's why it. it is yep okay like that answered the question because I was at first like, if it, this is the school, how come it only seems that only like local? I think a, a lot of people feel like it's the school because I think in many ways it is one of the first schools and it has some of the most legendary wizards and witches from all over the world at it. Got it. Um, you know, it's sort of that idea of Great British exceptionalism. It's a very old idea. There's definitely an air of that that you can feel. Yeah. Okay. Um, big next big thing is the Sorting Hat ritual all right john (laughs) what did you think about the sorting hat scene and then we're going to talk about our sorting hats um i thought it was fine uh really i think it it, it was it was it uh, it was fine um i almost would have liked if what is weird is that like it's you you totally see it coming obviously that like the three main characters are all going to end up in the same house together yeah and i almost wanted it to be a little bit like 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 real life in the sense that you don't befriend people before you know your dormitory like you know your dormitory and then you befriend the people within the dormitory <laughs> you know i think it was like almost yeah, like it I was think having this is its cake and you need to a little less like college and it's a little bit more like evoking that fear of anxiety that like when you're a kid and all your friends you're picking the teams for you know kickball or dodgeball yes and you're hoping you get picked to be with your friends it's a bit more like that it also it also would have been a good opportunity to actually talk about Ravenclaw, which they do not at all. 
<laughs> no. In fact, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff don't get talked about a ton. At least in, in this the scene, series. they show whatever yeah. name Susan getting picked for Hufflepuff. Yeah, and you will see, you'll you'll meet more characters as the series goes on from the different houses, and then you'll learn about them as, as it goes on. In the books, there's more about that, obviously. But this was already two hours and 38 minutes. This yeah, movie. obviously they don't have enough time to spend on the other houses, but yeah, it just yeah. kind of... And I'm fine if they stick only with Gryffindor. And th- again, it's just like they don't really treat with respect Slytherin that much. <laughs> oh, no. See, you're saying this, so now I have concerns, John. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just looking at it from the perspective of the movie. It's just like you, you place all the like seedy fuckers in like one house. You make them ugly with ugly teeth. They don't get placed. Like the house doesn't. It's not, they're not like, oh, we should put these kids together. The hat reads who the children are and tells them who, what house they belong in. But then there's something fundamentally wrong with that. Well, so that's, that is a great question about the sorting hat. And that's something that will be asked later in the series. But you noticed the hat seemed quite perplexed what to do with Harry. And he is basically saying to the hat, like, don't put me in Slytherin. Yeah, there's something that keeps popping up. A theme that pops up over and over again, which is um, Harry Potter is destined for great things and great things often are the like people who pursue great things often end up in Slytherin. That's the yeah, that, that's the thing I kept just I kept because hearing. you do great things doesn't mean that you do good things. Correct. But and Slytherin is definitely an, a house uh, filled with ambitious people. But Gryffindor and Slytherin share a lot of similar traits. Yeah. And so the the thing you'll find here is basically Harry was able to choose his house, although the hat may have felt he could have done well in Slytherin. It decided like because he didn't want to be there, this was the house for him. So there is definitely a level of choice that you do have about it. But I think for a lot of kids, maybe they don't know who they are, or what they want, or yeah, they're not when honest they, when enough they put with the themselves. Hat on Draco, so the is... it's like he doesn't even yeah. put it on. It's like Slytherin because obviously Draco's yeah, it's like. like... <laughs> <laughs> it gets close to his head, and it just feels the evil and the hatred within that also, just like, nasty also little child. Also approaching this from a Westworld perspective, I have a feeling that Sorting Hat is just collecting the information of these kids for the database. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just going to make host of them. Yeah, or no, yeah. They're, just, they're just sending the profile so they know what to sell to them later. Yeah, that, I mean, that is definitely a bit of what's happening here, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're building the profile of their student base. And figuring out. You know, there's there was a really fun part with Ron when they put the hat on Ron, and it's just like, oh, another Weasley. And then you actually get to see his two twin older brothers in that shot. Uh, he's got more than two twins. He's also got an older older brother, Percy. Yeah, he's he's got four older brothers and one younger sister who is not yet at Hogwarts because she's a year younger. Yeah. So he has he's got a big family at home. All right. Um, so let's get to the big it's question. It's fun to see them get introduced. All right. What are our sorting hats? uh do you want to go first no i want to i want to know what i don't even want to guess because so i talked with my girlfriend therese about what we thought you might be sorted as john okay we really i and i was like i could see john almost landing in any house you are a very studious logical critical person you like to read you really like to learn um pursuit of knowledge is important to you. you could definitely land in ravenclaw you are you're a very nice, like fun going guy, but you necessarily don't care about like being in the limelight. So like you could easily be a Hufflepuff. You don't have to be a Gryffindor. But at the same time, John, you're very ambitious, 
but you're not evil, so you don't have to be Slytherin. But outside of the movie series, there are a lot of great <laughs> wizards that are a part of Slytherin that are ambitious and less selfish. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you're probably not Slytherin, but it also wouldn't shock me if you got landed there. So what the hell are you? So with an 80% match. Whoa. Be prepared to be forgotten. I'm in Ravenclaw. Oh, hey, be prepared to be forgotten. <laughs> Nobody's going to hear now, about me for another four years. Now, John, if you got to the house and the hap oh, put Again, a I don't on you know what it is or who is in it or. Right. Okay, that's fair. There's that one that's guy that's should... after the, ha- the the dinner that, the, that happens after the scene that's like, come on, Ravenclaw, let's go downstairs to the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ravenclaw is a house that um, puts the s- pursuit of knowledge ahead all other things. Okay. So it's it is it's the nerd house. I see. Um, yeah, you went to, you went to the nerdiest house is basically where that's fine. You ended up, which is, I'll tell you this, Ravenclaw ha- is blue and bronze, and you, you got this uh, big old bird for your sigil, which is pretty cool. That's fine with me. I think um, I, I did answer a lot of like of the questions that you sent of siding with mm-hmm. like knowledge and pursuit of that. There you um, go. Tended to be my, my uh, thing. So, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I want to say that you're Slytherin. and no. I. I'm a Gryffindor. I here's but a, I, here's what I know. I yeah. know that you actually secretly are Slytherin, but you chose questions to make yourself in Gryffindor no. so you can uh, undermine it from within. And no, no, no. I I answered it very honestly. So when I take these quizzes, I have gotten Slytherin before. So let's say let's put it this way: I've taken these quizzes numbers of different times, and then I've taken the ultimate quiz. When I took the ultimate quiz, I got seventy percent Gryffindor, sixty percent Slytherin. Oh, wow. 50% Ravenclaw, and then, like, none Hufflepuff. Yeah, you're definitely not a Hufflepuff. Um, and I am a huge nerd, and I am very technical, so the Ravenclaw, like, doesn't surprise me. When Before they had that ultimate test, which, if you search online, you can find, like, the complete test. Uh, on Pottermore, they will give you, like, a dozen questions, but it's from a pool of way more than that. So whenever I would take it, I would either, it would flop back and forth between Gryffindor or Slytherin, and one time I got Ravenclaw, but it would always kind of like flop back and forth between the two. But if I went to the house, I would never be put into Slytherin. There's no way. Got it. Okay. Because I can be, I can be kind of selfish. Like I'm definitely ambitious, but I, but I know for a fact that I wouldn't uh, screw over other people necessarily. For well, not opinion. now. At least, at least not people that like, like uh, I think I'm. Yeah, and, and uh, your house is important on who you want to be. It's not just now. Think of yourself as eleven-year-old you Christian Humes. <laughs> uh, I was probably a more polite child when I was eleven. Seventeen-year-old, okay. yeah, Christian Humes. No, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was a well-behaved okay. kid. All right, all right, all right. At least out and about in the world. At home, I was a monster, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is why I go back and forth. So, you know, and people people say it's bullshit to pick two houses. For a while, I was identifying as Slytherin, but ultimately, it, it's never felt right. And so, in my heart of hearts, John, I am a Gryffindor, and I always will be. Got it. And so, now, I, I have, I've come to full peace with it. I've come to full peace okay. with being a Gryffindor. All right. Uh, so, after that... Uh, now, the real movie begins. Real movie begins. Uh, some Just some bullet points here. Uh, John Cleese is a ghost. <laughs> yeah how about the ghosts uh yeah they don't really explain it it's just like there's ghosts they're just there's ghosts that's it 
Yeah. Boom. There's ghosts. Uh, and occasionally That's the they world. will um, be walking around and saying some exposition, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's like the part later where John Cleese is like walking. And he's like, did you hear Harry Potter made the Quidditch team? Oh, my. That's a seeker. Yeah. <laughs> are like, oh, thanks, John Cleese. I didn't already know that. <laughs> thanks for reinforcing that to me. Alan Rickman. Great. As always. Great in this. Oh, my gosh. He's so good in this movie. It was in it was this moment though I realized like he reminded me a lot of Kylo Ren <laughs> 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 with the hair. <laughs> he is kind of built like him too. Yeah, he's like tall and like got the hair and like the the. He's got the broad shoulders. Yeah, and he kind of moves like him too. He's got a bit of. He sounds a little bit like Kylo Ren with the mask on. Yeah, it's it's. I, I was like I when I first saw, I think when he like got up to like leave the dinner. I was like, oh, he's, like, he's a little bitchy like Kylo Ren. Yeah, like he kind of reminds me of this character. So did you feel like he was bad? Um, I remember this twist. So. Oh, OK. Like that, I was I was sort of expecting it anyways. But um, it just comes off as weird and kind of. I mean, he's a dick. It's like a dick, but he also like comes off very obsessive in a weird way. But like in a, a quite obsessive. Oh, yeah. Like that he he just like he i felt very uncomfortable during his sort of opening lecture of his class because he's just like staring into the eyes of these children and like speaking in a very i don't know just uncomfortable way <laughs> about things it's just eh. i didn't get i didn't get a great vibe of him but i didn't get the vibe that he was necessarily a bad guy and obviously that's the no the, but they, that's what they're trying to they, sell you in he, the movie he's like a classical villain though for a kid because before you're introduced to like a real villain someone that maybe can murder and do things like that yeah like an existential threat to the main character for a child a really mean teacher is a fucking nightmare yeah right that's a real villain it's like the same as like home alone with the the homeless man or the shoveling man being like yes being super scary (laughs) professor snape is the uh the shovel man from next door actually no there is actually a real shovel man in this movie and that's filch uh uh walden frey who is filch is a squib Oh, he's a squib? Okay. He can use magical items. He can be in the world of magic, but he is not magical himself. Yes, and but he's straight up being Walder Frey in this movie. Oh, yeah, it, which it's interesting because he, he's clearly not necessarily a bad guy, but you also like don't like him. You're not meant to like this character. No, he, in he's any kind sense. of a, like, I'm going to like rat you out if I find you <laughs> type of guy. So moving forward in the story a little bit, Harry gets to go flying after Neville being picked on by that little bitch, Draco Malfoy. I hate him so much. He, you know, throws the rememberall. Yeah. And so Harry goes after it. Um, apparently, Harry, first time ever on a broom, kicking butt. So good. Absolute natural. Yeah. It's a pretty cool scene. And it was interesting to me. This is the first time I see McGonagall do this on the show, uh, in the movie. And, I feel like she does a secondary version of it um, later on, which I'm going to bring up. She's upset, and although she's upset, she's also like, there's an opportunity here. Harry, you're our new like star yeah. of the is, team. Okay, so who's the head? Is McGonagall the head of Gryffindor? Is she, like, yes, the t- and Snape is the head of Slytherin. Yeah, yeah, okay, I just want to make sure that was the case. I'm like, that's why she was sort of, she hooks up Harry with the uh, the other guy, Edward Wood or whatever, whatever Wood, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, also, before we jump too far ahead um i just want to point out seamus the irish kid uh the irish you know yeah like he's the only one that's trying to turn water into rum (laughs) 
Like, come on, movie. <laughs> like, can we not stereotype the Irish? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of UK humor for you right yeah. there. What I love about a good movie is that they either invent a sport or have a good sporting event in the middle of the movie. And mm-hmm. and this, I think, does a great job with Quidditch. It's shocking to me Quidditch is not a still popular video game series because it lends itself to work as a game oh, yeah. really well. Minus one major thing, which is if you, ca- if you catch the snitch, it's over. Fundamentally, the game is a little bit flawed in that in that in that uh, regard yeah. because it's kind of like you're playing a basketball game between two teams, and then outside of that, there's two people on ropes trying to climb to the top of the arena, and whoever reaches ends the game, regardless of what happens on the court. <laughs> it's like two different games going on, basically. And at some point, yeah, and, and, uh... from, and the one thing, only uh, I think negative thing I had to, to say about the scene is that. Harry spends too much time just watching the match in the beginning. He's just kind of sitting there, and I would have. Liked I think him... he's definitely a little overwhelmed, right? Yeah, but they you don't know? really sell it as him being overwhelmed. They just tell him he's like he's like almost like wondrously looking around, like whoa, wow. And it... but that's what I mean. That's like what being overwhelmed is. He can't believe he's just taking everything in. He doesn't even like know how to pay attention to the sport because all this other stuff's happening. You know, I mean, consider this: the kid hadn't heard anything about his parents until like a couple weeks prior. And now suddenly he's hearing about them left and right. Everyone knows about his parents. And he just saw his dad's name on a Quidditch medal, a sport he's never heard of before, that he's somehow such a natural talent that they chose him to be the freaking seeker for. Like, the kid is having personality-altering experience before him. He is fulfilling like a dream he didn't know he had. An overload of information and emotion. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. But then, of course, someone has to try and ruin it. Yeah. So what appears to be Snape is ruining it. Put a spell on it. Um, Hermione uh, lights Snape's cape on fire. <laughs> uh, Which is pretty good. It was great. Um, oh, uh, before before this, though, we have the, the troll scene before the Quidditch match. Yes. Um, I just want to point out, you don't really see bathrooms that much in movies, especially kids' movies. No, you don't. So it's kind of weird to like, you're like, oh, yeah, there are like bathrooms in this world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in a lot of movies, you don't, I mean, you definitely see eating, but you don't usually see people like going to the cafeteria a lot and spending a lot of time in front of food. And there's a lot of food in this, you know? Yeah. Uh, Here's a big question I want to ask you. This is my only like kind of other big question in the movie other than, and then it's kind of a sprint to the finale. Um, Uh huh. It seems like to me, and again, this ties into, you know, Dumbledore's overall leadership of the of the school. It seems like Hogwarts does a poor job of teaching their students responsible magic in the sense that when you watch these sort of uh, big banquet scenes, it's like they're like mm-hmm. showcasing the, you know, the sort of see through ceiling, the floating pumpkins or like the floating candles and like the ability to just produce food like like excess amount yes. and you can relish in it and it feels like almost like it like you know we brought up the jedi comparison and it's almost like counter mm-hmm. to the jedi where the jedi are very like conservative with their abilities and not giving into like overdoing it and it seems like here at hogwarts they don't really teach you that like uh, these this is a- sort of like the the magic's purge because when they're not at hogwarts you can't necessarily act this way and so this is their chance to, like, practice and train so that they can learn 
how to do things and like what is necessary as well as to sort of like get that out so is this again you know, like going back when, to... when you're like a when you're a young kid the juices are flowing you got to get that magic out <laughs> so is this like <laughs> sorry but is this okay going back to like them being in the closet is this kind of like you're going to the the club of magic yeah. and you're gonna go like it, you're basically going to the zone of right <laughs> magic and so you can get it all out and then when you go back in the other world you don't have to do it correct because the kids actually aren't if you remember at the end of the movie the kids aren't allowed to use magic yet correct. because they haven't finished their their teaching so it's like okay look i know you guys are young and all hornied up to use your wands so like you've got the next 10 months to get it out because then you're gonna have to go on a little magic abstinence for the summer i just think that's a very poor way of like doing it in a way and yeah. i think i think it sets up a weird uh well, I guess, you know, there aren't necessarily the so the Jedi Order in the old canon and much of it is much of this is similar still. Right. But in the old canon, there weren't necessarily Jedi and Sith. There was one. There's there was the one, the Bendu, which was sort of in the middle. It was the balance of the force. And they bend and then it, it to each split off. It's it's split off. And and people became maybe like too hard on like conserving and, and using things responsibly and like they almost like feared the power of the force. And then there were the Sith who abused it. Whereas like where the magical world is in this place where there's enough balance and enough order where they're like, We don't need to fear magic, we can revel in it. Just like don't be a psycho either. I yeah, I, I get that. It's just it just feels to me that if you're gonna like overload like eleven year olds with this abundance of magic right away and then suddenly you tell them oh yeah and don't use it for the next you know how many months when you're away from this place it, it kind of i don't know i don't know if it's a good development for these kids well you actually you know it's hard to say there are a lot of parents like i grew up right in my parents didn't give me a lot of limits on what i couldn't do they just like were like just don't be really stupid don't make like terrible decisions and we're also not gonna like give you like a really tight curfew because then, like, because I didn't feel like I had those limitations, like, I was always, like, like, I would come at home typically at a very reasonable time, and I wouldn't, like, do X, Y, or Z, because, like, no one told me not to, and to, like, without that sense of restraint, like, sometimes if you can just give people the freedom to do the right thing, maybe they will, and so that's, like, at least the world that this, this, it's a very idealistic world, but I guess... Again, you have to keep in mind, there's a book series for kids. You want the kids to feel I, yeah. like the magic is fun. Also, yeah, you want it, like, in this world, you do want to relish in it because that's what makes it fun. Right. I just think that they shouldn't be surprised that, like, a lot of bad apples are coming out of this system. <laughs> you know? Well, out of Slytherin. Like, I think that what they should be doing is all the kids that get sorted into Slytherin on the first just day them. just get sent home. No, no. Oh. No, no, they just get sent. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> they just get sent home. Wait, eat them? You take their wands and they get sent home. And that's it. Yeah, but then then they're going to get sued for, like, you know, discrimination. <laughs> and then you don't want to get that all done. Um, okay. You, you put them in, like, the dumb classes. Yeah. You just give them Professor Quarrel. That's true. Although he is the Defense of the Dark Arts teacher, he is not doing a great job. No. What do you... What, okay, so Quarrel. Um, yeah, he... You know, I don't really know what to think about him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's the villain of the movie. But he's he's right? just a vessel for the villain, really. Yes, but it, he he made the choice to be that vessel. He is partnered there with Lord Voldemort. That's true. Um, he who shall not be named. Yeah, a lot of things. Ha okay, um, you know, obviously we're introduced to Fluffy, the three-headed 
chimera dog thing. Oh, yeah. Which, after they learn about Fluffy, right, they go to see Hagrid. Yeah. And that's when Draco catches them and tells on them to McGonagall. Yeah. You want to talk about some bullshit. They each lost so many points for that. Yeah. Like, uh... I mean, I know they're not supposed to be out at night. The, the, the school, as you've seen, is not necessarily a safe place. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, don't they have... It, it, again, it's like it feels like the 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 people running this place they they they're they're too reliant on the point system to keep the kids in line. <laughs> well, I think they're also just reliant on trust, and I think they know like okay, they're letting the kids do whatever they want, and they're like, and then you just have to go to bed. Like you could literally do whatever you want around us. Just go to bed on time, and then just stay in. And then in the morning, you're gonna get whatever fucking food you want. You could just zip around, do whatever stupid things you want to do, and stay out of like these two places. <laughs> right. And I think if you give kids that power, a lot of them are gonna fall in line, and then you have less kids to watch. You know. And I think part of the reason they maybe let them revel in that power is a lot of the times, like Dumbledore's there, like he's watching them when they're doing that crazy stuff typically when they're all in abundance together yeah so it's like if he needs to lay down the law he can but when some of them sneak out of the house at night it's like okay there's things here you don't know or understand yet and you could get yourself or other people hurt so you can't be screwing around you're just you don't know enough yet this world is too complicated so uh, so later we learn is it, it's imp- it's said that voldemort basically uh meets hagrid at a bar and well no professor quarrel oh it was quarrel that did it okay and basically trades a dragon egg for information about fluffy right okay so much happens in this like second half of this movie um they go to the woods the dark woods where we are introduced to this is this is where i think mcgonagall plays like bullshit teacher because she's gotta she has to discipline these kids but she does exactly what they want they're getting to go hang out with hagrid yeah and filch and she sends draco with them i think because she's like okay look these kids want to hang out with a teacher like post nighttime like that's not a terrible thing so like if i'm gonna do this like to let them go there i have to tell them they're doing it as a punishment because i can't get in trouble then for bending the rules for them and then she sees draco as this sort of like bad apple they're like maybe they'll rub off on him because this kid is going down the wrong direction yeah and i think this was like some sneaky like teaching here on McGonagall. And also to scare them shitless. It's almost like going to prison, basically. <laughs> yeah. Going into that forest is not typically something I'd recommend. Because what 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 are they... They're going to go kill something? What, what the... Like, I didn't really understand what no. the mission was. To like, But they, they were trying to find what was, like... Was it... What was eating unicorns? Yes. And then it's like, at some point, like, every movie, they're like, oh, let's split up. Um, Filch somehow isn't around. Uh, anymore so like Hagrid's like all right Hermione and Ron you come with me uh Draco and Harry you go off alone because you're children <laughs> and they un- stumble upon a unicorn that's basically dead and yeah Voldemort how is... how'd you feel about the u- that was pretty sad right I mean it's 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 twisted you're like wow it's like something that is so universally I think loved by children and Seen... like pure like yeah. what's more innocent than a unicorn and just seeing it like just crippled on the ground, dead, and the spooky specter thing that comes up, uh, and then and then I totally forgot about this, but then a centaur shows up <laughs> to kick it away. Yeah, which like you meet the centaurs and they're very mysterious because they this guy clearly knows things and he seems very wise and powerful. 
<laughs> yeah, and so and uh, yeah, again, it was like I'm like, oh, okay, like centaurs, and I know there's probably a lot of stuff in the woods. Yeah, a lot the of woods, magical creatures the woods will be crazy. Yeah, woods be crazy. This is not the last of the woods that we will say. <laughs> woods be crazy. Um, going back to what we originally brought up in the beginning of this, you know, we learned about Nicholas Flamel and uh, a, a real life figure from history. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a, I guess a philosopher and a writer and like he built up this lore about himself that he was this alchemist um that they, you know this is what the whole philosopher's stone comes from and so mm-hmm. they make him a character in this movie and this world that he is buddies with dumbledore and is like the whole plot of this movie is that they're just transferring the the, the philosopher's stone aka sorcerer's stone to hogwarts for protection so no one can become immortal and, and Voldemort wants that's it. where it apparently is up to Harry to save the day because Dumbledore has left. Yeah, yeah, again, okay, another <laughs> thing in the basket of good decisions, like leaving in the most like important time you're holding on to this very important stone. I know you're doing it as a test for Harry, but again, it's just like, okay, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I know you're doing it as a test. <laughs> you have You don't trust this man at all. So far, he there, there's nothing about this movie right now that like makes me confident in his abilities as the head of Hogwarts. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure fair. he's gonna make up for it later, but it's just like, come on, man. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what you think because, um, you know, unfortunately, the actor that plays Dumbledore he passed away, and so he gets recast. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that love this first Dumbledore, and they think he is. In fact, I would say that is the de facto standard feeling that a lot of people have oh they do i couldn't disagree with it more okay so you like the 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 one that ends up replacing him yeah this is i'm we just lost like half our listeners when i just said this because (laughs) people feel very strongly about the other other dumbledore i just find i find this dumbledore to feel he feels very um impersonal he he doesn't feel like he actually really cares about harry yeah richard Um, harris like obviously this is like near the end of his life yeah um he does come off very fragile Yes. Um, and also, like, which I think uh, makes him feel very distant in some ways. Um, it's just a little too soft-spoken. Um, yeah. And, and I know there's, like, a bit of quietness to that, which people love, but I think it's really just more that that was their first Dumbledore. And I think because I came to this so much later than most people did when they were younger when they saw it. Um, like I he's really, great. I think a year... there's no question that the other one's better. I don't even think it's close. He's great a year prior to this in gladiator when he plays marcus aurelius yeah i mean so the interesting thing about the actors he's actually said some disparaging things about characters like dumbledore so it's interesting that he even took the role he talked a lot of smack about uh gandalf so (laughs) um (laughs) and ian mckellen which is why ian mckellen didn't take the role because he was actually offered to like possibly take it to you know when when it opened up after he passed away and ian was like no he already said all these bad things about me the last thing i would do is take this role because i know it's the last thing the guy would have wanted but also it's like he he already picked his like wizard role right exactly yes <laughs> like you can't but be that both was even... dumbledore and gandalf at the same time hey he maybe he could <laughs> <laughs> um he was offered the chance what did you think about the okay so the finale the the sort of the test that they have to take it's so good because there's so many of the little lessons and things that they built up to in this movie for the final act. The yeah. It's sort of like their raid, right? Like they're in sort of an <laughs> RPG and they're going on a raid. They're entering. The, par- the parents aren't listening to them. The adults aren't, aren't paying attention. 
it's up to the kids to save the day and he he parties up it's, it's him uh hermione and ron and they're like we're gonna sneak past the dog and we're gonna get in there and we're gonna get the sorcerer stone and we're gonna stop snape is their plan yeah and so they uh get past the dog because what they think is snape has put the dog to sleep through music which they learned through hagrid um but then the, the spell stops right when they're you know about to jump in and there's that sort of like oh they're gonna make it you know uh then you get the what's the, what's the is it uh, I forget the, the the plant name, but the vines basically they're stuck on. Oh yes yes yes. Well, I mean, so the funny thing I thought about the dog scene, I'm glad that they sort of like just went through it fast. Was they already showed the dog and made the dog scary and told us how to get by it. So by just not having have them play that out, and it also lets us know someone's already been there. Yeah, was I thought a great that's such a good touch. Uh, from a writing standpoint as as also a race against time right they go to do the different tasks that's the first part the second part is the devil's snare yes and that's where uh hermione comes in because yeah thank goodness we have the book nerd here yeah and i i love how ultimately ron doesn't listen to them (laughs) well and they have to use another method to get him from not killing himself Um, and it, it's sort of fun because each room is sort of built for each one of them to succeed, right? Like this was Hermione's role. The flying keys are for Harry, and then the chessboard was Ron. Yes, the flying keys were great. Um, it was a little on the nose because it's like, okay, we get it. He's the seeker. He's the Quidditch, but it was yeah. still cool. It was. And also, I, I like little, the touch. Also, it's a little like, all right, um, Daniel, you're just gonna like. Like swat in the air, you know. You're just gonna just move your arms around a lot, <laughs> and we'll just CGI the keys coming at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll get it. Don't worry. <laughs> It'll look great. It'll look great. I'm Chris Columbus. It'll Once look great. you've done it, like a minute or two, we'll say grab it. You do the grab. You've got it. Yeah, I'm Chris Columbus. I'm making like I don't know, ten million a, a movie here. I'm just gonna go on to make a lot of <laughs> shitty movies with Adam Sandler, and it's gonna be great. All right, here we go. And action. so. They do the keys, then they get to do the life-size chess. Fucking great, dude, right? How do yeah. you like this? Because yeah. I think this is so good. I want to hear what you I, think about Yeah, this. actually, I remember, like, I'm, I remember the scene long ago, 17 years ago. Um, I love the, the, the queen piece, just so intimidating mm-hmm. with the poker. Like, that was great. Um, yeah, I think it's like, it probably the coolest scene in the movie, just visually. Uh, I, I agree. It's one of my absolute favorite things in the whole movie. Yeah, just because it is also the most, almost looks the most real as far as practical, mm-hmm. and it's such a a perfect representation, I think, of everything about this universe that they've shown us, like how the world itself is living. You know, it, it sort of encompasses so much of what they've been. It's like they've been building towards that moment. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was funny though that uh, Harry and Hermione like they're their own piece but ron gets to get put on the horse yeah <laughs> like why why can't hermione be in like a little castle tower and then like um <laughs> like on a rook yeah and then yeah he's got to be like a little rook thing because i was like ah, that's a little weird but anyways um yeah that was, that was cool uh so they get pa- basically ron sacrifices himself to help harry get to the next room then we get the ultimate twist which is it's Quirrell that was the bad guy all along, not Snape. Even it's revealed that during the Quidditch match, it was Quirrell that was 
putting the spell on his broom and even and Snape was trying to save him. Um, you know, I think I watched that scene, you know, the Quidditch scene, and then they do a couple of like quick wide shots so they make sure they have Quirrell like framed and you can you know so they make like you can see him looking up to and mouthing something but your attention is on Snape so they do they do a you know fun job there (laughs) what did what did you think about how the stone was found with the mirror and what do you think about the mirror because I love the idea of the mirror I think it's uh really a, a beautiful idea yeah I think it it's kind of cool to have this thing of, you know, it shows you what you must desire. Uh, that when I think when they introduce it earlier in the movie, it comes at a time when, like, they're already throwing a bunch of shit at you. <laughs> you know, as far as, like, the, the, the invisibility cloak, sneaking into the library, um, you know, then finding the mirror, bringing Ron to the mirror. It's like, and then Dumbledore comes with, like, to the mirror. It, it's, it's almost like, I think it's a great moment. It just kind of gets buried almost in a lot of other stuff that's happening <laughs> at this point in the movie. So, uh, but other than that, I thought, I thought what would you good. see? What? What do you think you would see in the mirror, John? Uh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> we will table it. Come back to it next week. Yeah. Well, let's let's. I'll discuss it in chamber secrets. So. Yeah. Uh, what would what, what would you see, or do you want? Let's. What should we? Just... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. We'll think about okay. it. Okay. Think... We'll, th- we'll think about it. Good. Probably just loads of ice cream. <laughs> limitless ice cream <laughs> i think it's so it's it's really smart about like the way they put it in his pocket he sees it in the mirror and then now it's there it's just a, a great touch of magic that was used and it's very self-explanatory in how it works yeah and then it's revealed that we get the whole two-headed person thing <laughs> yeah with really gross and kind of creepy right yeah it was kind of weird um very good villain. Yeah, uh, this is obviously pr- obviously I know that Ralph Fiennes joins the world later as Voldemort, but this is pre Ralph Fiennes. This is before they even know yes. him. So it's kind of interesting that they they do this route, and I think they do a good job of like he's still in this kind of ghostly form, like he's not quite you know yeah physical. he doesn't really have a regular sort of corporeal being at the moment. He's this ghastly sort of thing that uh, he's almost like a parasite. Yeah, which they even say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think at this point, though, when it comes to the actual showdown between Coral and, and Harry, it's, the I think, the most like visually disturbing part of the movie. Yes. <laughs> when... Yes, it is. It's it's very <laughs> disturbing. Yeah, where essentially Harry burns this man alive, <laughs> mm-hmm. turns him to dust by touching his face, um, and he like you know collapses in dust and it's like i'm like if i'm a i'm a child if i'm under 10 years old this is a very disturbing like situation here (laughs) so uh yeah so it turns out like voldemort can't touch him at least not physically himself not at this moment he's not strong enough correct um because it is now then revealed later when he wakes up in the hospital to by dumbledore it's like his mother basically placed put this I, I guess it's not really explained too much but his mother puts this protection spell on him or this mm-hmm. uh, something it's like built into him that protects him from Voldemort yeah I mean you learn more about it later on in the books it's a little bit better explained but basically the killing curse used on 
Harry and Harry's parents is generally unstoppable, but his mom uh, sort of found a way around it by sort of sacrificing for him. Yeah. Um, is is a better explanation for it. They're going to go into that deeper as it goes on. Um, but that is like the general conceit of like the message he's getting across here. And that is why Harry's head was burning when he saw Professor Quarrel, because that sort of the remnants of that curse, like protect him from Voldemort. I see. It's kind of his, his alarm is going off. Mm hmm. In spidey sense. Yeah. His Voldemort vision <laughs> uh, was uh, firing off. I, of all the Voldemort, of all the uh, Dumbledore scenes, the last scene with him and Harry, at the, and the, I think the, because that's when he gets the most personal. I think that's his yes, best scene. It is. And at the same time, I felt like he still was very, uh, he's just very breathy. And I didn't feel like there was a lot of yeah. the right kind of emotion for me. And it, you, And this is just me. So many people will strongly disagree with me on this. Uh, you can hashtag watch world and, and tell me why I'm wrong. That's fine. I just really prefer the other Dumbledore myself. Not that this man wasn't great. Um, I just think there's a lot more emoting yeah. that goes on in the future versions. Then we get to the house cup decision scene, which, again, this is something that Dumbledore does that is I I hated. I hated that Dumbledore did this. You know, they basically announced the totals of the points for the the year and for no reason at all dumbledore is like let me give you the totals in which slytherin comes out on top and then it's just like gets slytherin all excited and they're like yes we won and then he's like well except as a last minute thing i'm going to add points for these individuals you know harry hermione ron even neville for being a wussy and trying to fight harry <laughs> you know and it's gonna put them on top and win the uh, thing that, not a, the, the opposite of a wash it was bravery i, I, I know but it's it a was... scary thing to stand up to your friends come on yeah but he did it in such a awful way <laughs> oh come on neville you can do better i love that. neville he's great but again it's like good kid it's like obviously they're doing it for cinematic purposes it's like you want to make it seem like oh yeah we we lost we lost the thing, but then, oh, no, like, last minute thing, like, we won. But right in real life, if this was, like, a real life situation, that would make no sense. You would tally, like, you would tally everything for it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't fuck with kids okay, that way. So this, okay, so what you're saying is actually something people don't say. Most people are annoyed that they, like, get all those extra points. And they're like, it's bullshit. They're stealing because just because they did this thing. It's like, no, they should absolutely be awarded those points. You're right. They should award them to them ahead of time but i guess at the same time people wouldn't know about it so it's like okay this is the best place to be like hey this crazy thing happened we want to give them this credit let's do it on like, i very don't public have a problem place. with that that is fine it's just do it before they just shouldn't you have had... bring up slytherin's hopes that they won the whole thing yes it's a whole they, yes. they pulled a steve harvey dumbledore is steve harvey so but you know what? It's good for the movie. It's good for dramatic tension. Because you're like, oh, and then it's like, wait, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like every sports. And it movie. looks cool. It's a, it's a sports movie it thing where it's like, oh, we didn't win, but then it's like, oh, wait, there's a technicality. We have another chance. <laughs> and it, yeah. it looks cool in the scene, doesn't it? Like when he flips all the colors. Yeah, I mean that's all fine, but it's just like again, <laughs> like I've just felt bad, so bad for the Proud Boys. So I'm glad. I was worried. I was worried you were gonna come no. Here, I, like I, 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 I thought I was like, okay, maybe I'll get him on this thing. He, th he assumes I'm going no. this way, but I'm like, no, I'm going to get on this I very don't, specific I, thing. 
if I absolutely had to like gun to my head guess, it would have been Ravenclaw. So um, I think you're least likely to be Slytherin. Yeah, but no, yeah, you never I, know. I don't think anyone would be. Never know how I think I think there's answer. something wrong with you if you're Slytherin, right? At least as far as the movies are concerned. Okay. <laughs> there are a lot of great wizards from Slytherin. Not all of them are bad. Okay, and I'm sure we'll meet them. But then, and then uh, everyone goes home. Um, which I feel bad that Harry's going home. <laughs> I know. Remember, we're like, we're all going home, and Harry said, not me, because this is his home now. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to my personal hell. Yeah. I'm glad you don't really know anything past this movie. I know. That's what I'm, I'm actually now excited for. <laughs> yeah. Now that I have all these, like, thoughts about things and kind of running theories about stuff, and also, like, my, my stock in Dumbledore is very low right now, and his direction of Hogwarts. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, so right now, you're in, right? You're in on this right now. Yeah, I'm in. You're feeling I'm good in. about it. I'm feeling good. Okay, great. I'm feeling good. I, I just got done with freshman year. I'm ready to go into sophomore year, knowing a little bit more. <laughs> ready to see how these kids age, you know, see what they, see how the characters change from the ne- to the next movie to, and to the next one, so. Well, we definitely went, I think, a little longer than than they're going to but i would say all of these are probably going to be a bit over an hour if we're going to do the whole movies which is what yeah. we're going to do um and, and that's fine because a lot of people like longer podcasts and this is great for people that want to rewatch the series with us so we definitely invite you to do that so john how do you feel so far with this first movie you are excited now to watch harry potter uh yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm intrigued and excited to see where it goes and i think continue i'm, I'm actually more excited about this discussion about it more so than the actual yeah. movie. <laughs> I think they get uh, better and better as they go on, though, in many ways. So. Yeah, I'm, I understand that Like, almost this is the first one. So there's a lot of we're working out the the kinks of the, the what the sh- what the thing is, <laughs> basically. Well, and then there's a bit more of this, which is, you know, she put out these books and each one harry is 10 11 like 12 you know etc yeah and they're actually written for children of that age to read them when they are that age yeah so the stories also become more mature more complicated because when you're a kid you have less emotions like the themes and the concepts are less complicated things are more black and white and things continue to get more complicated and a lot more gray and a lot more varied and uh, multifaceted as the kid gets older because it's you know they're able to think in a more complex way yeah and i think that's what i'm also excited about i know it's like almost like i know that it's almost going to get better from here and more yeah it's almost going to get more mature from here yeah and it's gonna be great well john this was a successful first episode of our harry potter rewatch series here on watch world if people want to keep up with you how can they go about that uh, well, at the time of this episode dropping, uh, you can still listen to me uh, on our other show, Wishboning, as well as... I these... mean, forever. It'll it'll always be there. It'll always be there. But if, for, as far as new episodes, Wishboning. Uh, also, uh, you can find me on the Zeitheist podcast with you, as well as other mm-hmm. people, and like Emily. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JohnnyBeGoodInLA. Yes, you can. And I'm at Christian underscore Humes. We're on the Zeitheist Podcast Network. It's a community of podcasts. You can go to Zeitheist.com. That's Z-Y-T-E-H-E-I-S-T. We just did Westworld. So if you like Westworld or you're thinking about watching it or you're currently watching it, you can go back and listen to season one of this podcast. We're in season two now where we're covering all of Harry Potter. 
Yeah, and so, if you like uh, okay. Harry Potter and you like the like this episode, please rate or com and uh, share or comment and uh, promote. Tell your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. Share sure it on Reddit. Share it on Twitter. Can't get wait between now and November uh, for when a yeah. new movie comes out. People are going to be uh, have insatiable like thirst for the stuff. So yes, we use uh, hashtag Watch World on Twitter for this. So um, you can go ahead and do hashtag Watch World, and that's going to be it for our first episode of Harry Potter. And we're going to leave you here today with a quote from Dumbledore. It does not do to dwell on dreams. And forget to live.